Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. Just uh, can we can we just give thanks where thanks is due to Pastor Ryan and Adrian, the vision they have, the obedience they have to our house. Man, what an awesome uh, time of year it is to give thanks, and you can feel it in the air. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but uh, just want to get you excited for this week and next week as we head towards Christmas Eve. We have a new collection of talks uh, coming up uh, starting today called "The Thrill of Hope." This, this is a time of year where hope is in the air for, for whatever reason. Uh, people seem to just be a little kinder, a little more generous, a little nicer. And, and we know it's not because of the lights or uh, the desserts or the, the presents. We know it's because of Jesus. We know that his impact is so great. His Holy Spirit is so sensitive to moments where we celebrate things like his birth that it just, it just spreads. It just, it just trickles into the atmosphere, and as his believers carry his name and we look forward to his coming, uh, you can just feel it. You can just feel it. And uh, I want to invite you to, to follow along with us in between the two Thrill of Hope talks. Uh, there's a seven-day devotional on the YouVersion Bible app uh, called Waiting Here for You. Uh, it's an Advent devotional. Uh, um, a lot of the content from our talks is based off of this devotional. And Pastor Louis Giglio from Passion City Church made this. And there's videos that accompany it on YouTube. It's a great resource. So we would invite you to start that uh, today or tomorrow and carry that on to next week as we wrap up these talks. But today, the, uh, the conversation uh, centers around a, a group that is often talked about at Christmas time, and that is the shepherds. Can we, can we give a shout out to the shepherds? Um, I don't know why we're shouting them out, but we're, we're gonna talk about it. Um, the, the, the shepherds are such a key part of this story, and there's a lot of conversation and context around the shepherds in this particular moment. We're gonna dive into it in just a second, but. I'd love nothing more right now than to just read uh, a passage of scripture from Luke 2. Uh, it's the Christmas time. I just love hearing the Christmas story read. And so to be able to do that with you is exciting for me. I enjoy it. Um, and I, I hope you do too. Um, let's, let's dive right in. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was the descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, 
has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, for it was just as the angel had told them. What a beautiful, incredible entrance into the world. A baby placed in snuggly cloth and laid in a manger, but announced by the armies of heaven, the Messiah is here. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for your son, Jesus. We say it a lot, but right now during this time of year, we we say it with special thanks and gratitude in our hearts that you would come humbly, but with power and authority. And so, Father, we just pray as your word goes forth this morning and we experience the Christmas season together, that there would just be a special tenderness to what you're doing in our lives and in our city that you would help us to be carriers of your name, that you would help us to announce that you are here, that you are real, that you are alive, and you are still moving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, church, uh, like I said, I'm I'm super excited to talk to you uh, this morning. And and the, the context of our conversation, the title of today's message is called Waiting on Suddenly waiting on suddenly. I love this story because the normal day-to-day is happening, right? The Roman government is going about their policies saying, you know, we need to take a census. We need to know how many people are out there. We need to, the tax revenues are down. Let's make sure we've got a good count. The people are coming to and fro, renting hotels and lodging, moving about throughout the countryside. They are giving birth and, and having all of the normal things that happen. And the shepherds are just showing up, doing what shepherds do in the fields with their sheep. It's a normal evening outside Bethlehem. And then, suddenly, Jesus shows up on the scene. And, and I, I want to speak to this thought today because I know some of us, especially around the holiday season, we might be waiting on a suddenly And I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's a lost family member. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's this or that. Whatever your suddenly is that you're waiting for. I believe that in this story with the shepherds, there's there's principles that we can pull out. There's things that we can see in this passage of Scripture that will help us posture ourselves and prepare ourselves in the waiting for our suddenly. And so what I want to share with you this morning is, is really five things you can do waiting on suddenly. 
five things that we can pull out from the shepherd's story that really, I hope, are an encouragement to us, but also some some practical direction that we can take. The the first thing, and and this might be the hardest thing of the five, so I'll preface it with that. We're going to challenge ourselves straight from the beginning here, is that waiting on suddenly, we, we have to embrace where God has me and what he's entrusted me with. You see, the start of this story, the catalyst of this story leading to the first suddenly was the shepherds. That night, what what were they doing? They were staying in the fields and guarding their flocks of sheep. They were where they were supposed to be, doing what they were supposed to be doing, and then suddenly. You see, I I think if we build context here, when Luke chapter 2 happens, God has not had a a proper prophet, a, a voice of God to his people for some 400 years. I mean, all throughout the Old Testament, from Genesis all the way to Malachi and everything in between, the Psalms and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Hosea and Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Malachi, they've all said, someone's coming. And year after year after year, hey, the Messiah is on the way. And then for some reason, silence. And and 400 years go by between the last prophet and suddenly. And yet, I think the lesson that we can learn from the shepherds is that they kept showing up and they kept doing the thing that God had placed in their hand. They trusted and embraced where God had them and what he put in their hands. One of the prophets that really sprang to mind in my quiet time as I was kind of thinking through this concept of embracing where God has me and what he's entrusted me with is Ezekiel. I don't know if you know anything about Ezekiel, but the opening of Ezekiel in, in chapter 1, it says, uh, it says this, in, the, in my 30th year, so Ezekiel, first verse, I'm 30 years old. In the fourth month on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kibar River, the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. On the fifth of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiachin, the word of the Lord came to me, the priest, the son of Buzi, by the Kibar River in the land of the Babylonians. There, the hand of the Lord was on him. Why is this weird? Well, it, it's, 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 it's interesting and it's weird because the hand of the Lord, the Spirit of God, at that point in, in this historical account, that, that presence would have rested in the temple. And, and it would have rested especially on the priest. And, and we see here Ezekiel is a priest and he's 30 years old, but he's in exile. And, and if we rewind, this is a young man who is born into a family that is destined to be priests. Every day he's growing up and being told, hey, live up to the family name. Hey, make sure you train. Make sure you read. Make sure you prepare. This is how we do this. This is how we do that. And he's thinking, I'm 15, I'm 18, I'm 20. I'm going to do this thing. And when he's 25 years old, five years before his 30th birthday, when he would have been declared the priest over Israel, a high priest, the Babylonians invade. 
Everything is destroyed. The temple is set on fire. He's put in chains. He's taken to Babylon as a slave. I mean, you talk about, I'm hoping and I'm thinking and I'm preparing and I want to do this. And then all of us, but, but God, what? this is not the plan. I'm supposed to turn 30 and be the priest and be over all the, and I've been preparing. And now, right, right, I can see it. I can feel it. And, and now I'm a slave. But I don't hear any complaining here in the beginning of Ezekiel. He doesn't start in my 30th year. I'm so disappointed that things didn't turn out the way I thought that they should go. He says, no, on, on, on the fifth of the month, I was, I was by the river with my people in exile in a ghetto in a makeshift house. But I had accepted the call of God on my life. I had embraced where he had me in Babylon. And I was still going to be the best priest I could be, even in exile. And, and what does it say in verse 3? There the hand of the Lord was on him. He had grown up thinking, no, no, no. The only there God can make a difference is in the temple. If I'm the priest there and I have all the eyes on me and the attention and everything that I'm going through it, it is, is just perfect and just so. And he had this picture. You ever have that picture in your mind of how things are supposed to go and then they don't? Ezekiel finds out, no, no, no. God's not restricted to his temple. If I'm embracing where God has me and what he's entrusted me with, the there can be anywhere. It can be in a makeshift tent on the river in Babylon, in exile, as a slave. And, and I didn't think it was going to be that way, but suddenly the hand of the Lord was on him. I think it's really interesting. Uh, we we kind of transition and you say, okay, RJ, that's great, Ezekiel. Um, how, do I, how does that work for me? I'm not by the river. Um, I think practically God gives us some instruction here in Psalm 46. And, and this is a verse that even Pastor Ryan used last week, but I, I want us to put new, new eyes on it this morning. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I, I looked up that be still it's not what you think it means. I mean, I know we translate it be still, and, and, and there is a way where you could take it that way. But in the original language, that be still means relax, let it go. One way to translate it is actually become helpless. Like, like open your hand and, and let it go, and, and let God who's exalted among the nations, and God who's exalted in all the earth, and God who is with us take control. He is our fortress. That word means a secure height, a retreat, a stronghold, an inaccessible place. You see, the, the, the tension of this verse is that if you want to move forward, you have to give up, you have to surrender, and you have to let God lead you to a place that you cannot get to without him. It's inaccessible, so you, you might not like the job that you're in or the boss that you have or the diagnosis that you got. And, and I don't know how God in all his greatness and glory and majesty is working all things together for good, but that's the promise that we're standing on. And so I'm going to embrace where he has me and what he's entrusted me with, even if it's a bad report. He's trusted me with that bad report. And so I'm gonna be still, I'm gonna let go. I'm gonna surrender. I'm going to let him take me to the fortress. Paul says it this way in his letter to the Corinthians. 
I love, I love this. Whatever you do, let me repeat that. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. What Ezekiel understood was that his assignment was from God. It didn't originate with him or his family. It wasn't about what he wanted or thought or felt. It wasn't having to happen the way he imagined it having to happen. He was just going to submit. Paul, in his journey, was just going to submit. They had this revelation. I don't go to my job Monday through Friday and work for, insert company here. I work for God. I, I, I don't go to the hospital and get this report or diagnosis. I don't, I, I don't deal with this person. I don't, I don't deal with this struggling relationship. I'm, no, no, no. This relationship is from God. This, 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 whatever I'm doing with all my heart, I'm pouring myself into it because I'm working for God, not for human masters. I know that's a hard one, but I think it's the place we have to start. The second thing that I think we see in the story here is that we have to choose his word over our worries. Verse 9, they were terrified. This is not just, we, we do a disservice by just writing the word terrified here. Um, in the original text, this is literally the word that they use means they feared with the largest possible fear, withdrew in a panic, or put to flight. Like that is, that's what that word terrifies. I mean, we're like, oh, they were scared, you know, angels. No, they, they, they literally were brought to panic. I mean, the, the feeling, the, the, the knots in the chest, the panic attack, the shake, the, just the freeze that you go into when that thing is up against you. That's what they experienced. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. What do we call the Bible? We call it the gospel, which means good news. See, we, we have a choice. I mean, troubles are going to come. Jesus says right before he goes to the cross in John 16, in this world, you will have troubles. I see you guys know. You guys know about the trouble. Worries are coming. How we combat those worries, though, is completely up to us. And so you can, you can choose the worry and sit in it, or you can choose his word. I love this passage of scripture uh, from the Psalms. It's Psalm 139, I believe, starting in verse 49. Remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. My comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. The arrogant mock me unmercifully, but I do not turn from your law. I remember, Lord, your ancient laws, and I find comfort in them. Indignation grips me because of the wicked who have forsaken your law. Your decrees are the theme of my song wherever I lodge. In the night, Lord, I remember your name that I may keep your law. This has been my practice. I obey your precepts. I just love that, that thought in verse 54. Your decrees are the theme of my song. You remember back when like TV was good and shows had theme songs? Like I just remember, I was, I was a child of parents who lived on TV land. You remember TV land? And like there was, those were some theme songs. Like my favorite theme song 
was Gilligan's Island. I mean, you knew the whole show before you got to the show. It was fantastic. There was some other ones too. Um, just, I love a good theme song. And I love this idea that relates to us so much right now, this idea that your decrees, your laws, your word, they can be this theme song of my life. I think now in a culture and in an age where we are uh, consumers of so much content, it's just everywhere. It's on your phone, it's on the billboards, it's on the TV, it's everywhere you go. Everybody's got something they want to share you that they've seen or heard or consumed. Let me tell you about what I saw. You, you, you can get a real sense of a person if you take a step back and you listen to all of the things that they continually talk about that they let in. And I'm not saying, I'm not, that's a different message, right? But, but what I am saying is that we have an opportunity in waiting on our suddenly to choose to consume his word more than any worry or other content or other message. And I'm telling you when, you, when you do it, especially around now, heading into the fast in January as well, just like, I just want to be a consumer of his word. I just, you, you get around those people, and I don't know if you've ever met these people. If, if you haven't, then I want you to be friends with them, so find them. <laughs> that, like, it's, it's not putting off. It's not, like, arrogant or boastful. But, like, no matter what they say, they just seem to have, like, a verse for that thing. Like, I need, I need friends like that, but also I, I want to be more like that. We're like, no matter the situation or circumstance, no matter what, whatever the suddenly is that I'm waiting for, like, I can, I can just be like, yeah, but God, you said this. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, oh, okay, well, I'm, oh, that was, that was really hard. Or maybe even in advance, I'm about to step into a meeting, and I know it's hard. I know it's with people I don't want to, and I just, God, you said this, so I'm taking this into the meeting with me. Yeah. You know, let me choose your word over my Worries, remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. Your promise preserves my life. Third, and uh, I hope this is really practical for us today. Um, third, we got to run, and I mean run, to his name. And I, I, I mean, we, I don't talk to the band beforehand. Nobody would want that. You wouldn't want the songs that I would pick for Sunday. But I think the songs that we picked this morning were just absolutely the Holy Spirit going, no, 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 this is the word that I need my people to hear. And if you're waiting on a suddenly right now, like to, to sing that his name is a fortress, I, I, in Proverbs 18.10, it says, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Who are the righteous? This verse, if you dig into it, the righteous are the just or the justified. And in Romans 5, 1, it says, therefore, we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. So, you, so, you know, we, we, we do have a name that is above every other name. And what do we see from the story with the shepherds? They said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that had happened. It wasn't enough to have the announcement, the Messiah has come. Good, that's a, that's a hope, that's a promise that I can hold on to, but I want to go see it. I want to run to it. In Psalm 135, it says, your name, Lord, endures forever. Your renown, Lord, through all generations. I need to be able to run to something that endures forever. 
Like those, those are the, the principles. Those are the things that I want to build my life on. I don't want it to be influenced by something that's here today and gone tomorrow. I want a forever foundation. And so I'm going to put this on the screen. Please don't be overwhelmed. It's a lot. But this is all of the names of God I could find in Scripture. And, and either they're God or Lord in your Bible. But in the translation, something gets lost. Because a lot of the times it's written as Jehovah Jireh, and they'll just say God. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> it is. It is God. And his name is a strong tower that we can run to and be safe. But when, 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 when Moses and God meet in the wilderness and we have that burning bush experience, we see God share with him when, when Moses said, well, who should I say sent me? God says, I am. Like, I can't think, like, of a better mic drop moment for God. Like, that's incredible. Like, he just says, like, you know, whatever. You need this? Yeah. I am. That's right. That's right. You're waiting on this? I'm that. Yes. You know, so, so I, I would just encourage you in your, in your prayer time, this is something I've started to do. I have this, actually, most of this I just copied and pasted from a little Word document I have that I cut out and put in my journal. And it's in the back of my journal where all my different prayers are. And, 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 and let me like dispel this for you. This is not a ritual. Like God doesn't need this for, for, for anything. I need this. So like I'm going to pray his name when I'm waiting on this specific suddenly. I'm going to call God on it. And, and I'm humbly and, and gracefully, I'm going to walk into his presence, but with confidence saying, God, you told me that you were a provider and I need provision right now. I need you to show up in this way and provide. I need healing. Jehovah Rapha. I need your presence. Jehovah Shammah. I need a shepherd. I don't know which way to go. I need Jehovah Ra'a. I need the almighty God, El Shaddai. And so I put the references there for you so that you could see, like, these are the places in Scripture where God's Holy Spirit inspired somebody to reveal part of his character to us. He is not 50 gods. He is one God, but, but he is all things in his time. We need to run to his name. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing. I need to run to Jesus. Let me run to his name. Fourth, and, and, and uh, we're going to write it down and then I'm going to make you change something. <laughs> we're going to live for his presence and with his people. Yeah. In Luke 2.17, it says, after seeing him, I want to pause right there. Earlier in the week, I wrote these notes, and I have to get them Ryan so we can get them printed so you can do the, the fill-in-the-blanks. It's a whole process. But I, I had written Live for His Presence and with His People, and the more I sat in it, and especially as I reviewed that first point, embracing where God has me, I, I thought to myself, no, like, it's not wrong. Like, I, I should live for His presence. But I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, eh, you just mix some letters around in there. I need it to say, live from His yes. presence. And so I give you permission to scratch through the notes and write from. Um, I, I just think that everything starts after those three words. After seeing him, then 
we can talk about getting on the other side of suddenly. But it all starts living from his presence. David in the Psalms says it this way, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon the rock. I just love the, the beauty of that language. I love how that makes me feel one thing. I just need one thing. I mean, I, there's things, God, that I want, and I want to wrap my head around this situation, and I don't know why this or that, but, and, and I hope, and I'm going to pray your name, and I'm going to believe big, but really, like, there's one thing that I need. I need to dwell in your presence. And then after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. We don't just have it, we profess it. He who is promised is faithful. And let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, we have to live from his presence, but we have to live with his people. I need you and you need me. We need to know what we're waiting for. We need to to spur one another on and encourage one another and and not give up together. I I recently watched this video. It's a really famous businessman. You might have heard of him. His name's Simon Sinek. Um, He's a very popular speaker. Companies pay him a bajillion dollars to to come and and inspire their people, and he's written lots of books. And it was this fascinating uh, video interview that he did and he's come up with such great content. His main TED Talk, which is like seen by a bajillion people, is um, uh, the, the golden circle. Start with why. Start with your why. Um, that all came from him. And, and it talked about like, hey, when did this click for you? When did it like really take off? And he was like, you know, I had this great thought. And, and I started writing down some thoughts and, and putting them together. And I, I thought it was good. Um, but I didn't That's not when it took off. When it took off was when I started sharing it with my friends. And my friends encouraged me like, hey, this is good. You got to get this out there. Like, you got to keep going. You got to, you got to, like, this is it. Like, you you really got something here. We, we, We don't just have to live from his presence. What we find in his presence then, we need to take to our friends and we need to say, hey, like, hey, like, what do you think about this? Like, God's been speaking to me this way, and and let them encourage you. Let iron sharpen iron through relationship and conversation and and get around his people, get in his church, get in small group and circles, and be in community. See, we have to live from his presence, but we have to live with his people. Don't give up meeting together. Spur one another on. Encourage one another in waiting for your suddenly. Lastly, the fifth thing is to pursue a patient perspective. Pursue a patient perspective. And I decided to use this word, uh, patient, uh, just because I I felt like it encompassed all of the things that I felt like God was telling me, which was really to slow down and be reflective and, and be intentional with your thought life. 
You see, that's what we see if Mary can sneak into the story and take some uh, billing from the shepherds here. Um, In verse 19, Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. She kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. You see, on on the wait towards suddenly, God is going to keep moving. God is going to keep showing up. He's faithful. He's a good father. He's for you, not against you. He's with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And so on the way to whatever it is you're suddenly looks like, there's going to be little wins and little victories if you're willing to take a step back and be patient and reflective and think and treasure what God's already done. And whether he does it or not, however you would think it needs to happen, I'm just going to have a perspective that is focused on him. In Hebrews 12, it says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw everything off that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. I'm shifting my perspective. The pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I love this verse, verse 3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Like, like when I'm waiting on suddenly and, and, I, and I feel like I'm at my wit's end or this is it or why God, why? And I'm having those moments or it's a heavy burden and I feel like I can't take another step. Hebrews 12, 3. Consider Jesus so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I, I, um, there's this old hymn. I love hymns. I don't know if you're a hymn person, but I am. I love to listen to them. Uh, they are just such simple, beautiful expressions of faith from a long time ago that, you know, we don't, just don't write music like that anymore, which is fine. But I just love this hymn. I don't know if you've ever heard it. It's, it's fairly popular. The chorus is the most popular piece, which is, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And, and it, it, it goes like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You see, when when all else seems to have failed and it's just dark and it's heavy and you don't know where the next step is going to come from, you got to turn your eyes towards Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and everything else just starts to get a little bit more dim because of the glory grace of God. You see, in Lamentations, it tells us this. As Jeremiah is lamenting over the destruction of Israel, God, why have you brought this on us? What is there for us to learn in this? He says, the Lord is good to those who hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. 
be patient. It's good to embrace where you're at. It's good to trust God. It's good to run to his name, live from his presence, supported by the people around you with your eyes on Jesus. The reason for the season, the reason why everything is the way it is around this time of year. So I wanna encourage you and make space if, if you've never said yes to Jesus, maybe it's because you're waiting on suddenly and you don't know if you can trust him and I'm here to tell you, you can. You can. So with all of our heads bowed and eyes closed, I just wanna make space for a moment for people to say yes to a relationship with the Son of God who came as a baby but grew into a man who would lay down his life while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And we can trust in him. So if you would, you can repeat this after me. You can say it out loud or in your heart. It's not my words that saves you, it's God that saves you, but I wanna give you space and, and some direction and practical steps to have a conversation with him. If you would repeat after me, say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I ask you to come in, be my friend, take over. I surrender to you. You come and have your way. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the people that would say yes to Jesus for the first time. And we thank you for the Christmas season. We thank you for a God that is worthy and for the son of God that came, gave his life for us. Father, what a beautiful time of year. Help us to remember this. Help us to be encouraged as we wait on you, Father, that there is no waiting that's wasted in your hands. And so, Father, we trust in you. We celebrate you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, we say together, we celebrate his son. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.